This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar I fucking love. Look, all of our social lives took a nasty hit during the pandemic, and one of the awesome things COVID stole was the ability to watch sports with friends. It's something I've loved my whole life, and good news. The Athletic Club has our backs and has given that right back to us. The ACO has shut down their entire side street, not some parklets. I'm talking about the entire side street created an enormous outdoor space, called that space the town gardens, and filled it with tables and huge TVs and their full complement of great food. It's big, it's comfortable, but maybe most important, it's a great spot to watch any and every sport with anyone and everyone you want to. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports. And with the NFL right up on the horizon, we hope you're going to join us there. In fact, if I see you at the ACO and you're in any type of huddle gear, beer, in fact, maybe beers on me. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring y'all into our huddle. You are in. Warriors huddle with me, Bram. No MT today, at least up front, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, I am fired up to announce, joining us for the first time in the huddle, a man who uses vocal talents and sports passion to go from butcher shop owner to morning show mainstay, the co-host of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game, and a guy who skillfully threaded the needle this morning between giving Bonte shit for his birthday <laughs> and celebrating it, Mr. Joe Shasky. What's going on, Joe? What's up, guys? I'm really excited. Thank you for having me on. Honest to God, it means a lot. I came up in podcasting. I still do a lot of podcasting. So uh, anybody that's out here getting it, let's do it. Let's get it together. Let's yeah. collaborate. We uh, The pleasure is ours, and you can share in some angst with me, man. So every time we have a new guest, like I, I, I've heard your voice. I listen to the show. I feel feel like we're friends but the practical reality is shit we've never met it's the first time you're on and generally speaking when i have somebody on for the first time it's not nerves but i get kind of angsty and oh, i yeah. kind of please that person so if i start like speaking too much right or kissing your ass any of that shit just use your professionalism pretend like it's not okay, happening no. you know help us help us get through that all right dude half the crap coming out of my mouth is literally straight out of my ass so believe me <laughs> i understand and like some of the stuff that i say the funny part is, is the producers bonte they'll look at me and they're like dog where are you going with this and so <laughs> you, you just try to throw it together sometimes it's a picasso sometimes it's a trash can <laughs> well if you've gotten it up to 50 percent, joe you're 50 percent better than me <laughs> so you know you are there and then so that we can all kind of share in the scenario here hell um, yeah as part of joe's professional you know we're doing this over zoom joe showed up and he actually has his video on maxime and i do not although we're gonna have an announcement about that later on in the show but let the record reflect like joe's studio looks hella nice this fool <laughs> looks hella professional so the pressure is on joe we only have one real segment today it's okay. a segment called five golden questions it's basically right. our mailbag which we're going to get to in a second but i tell you what it'd be ridiculous if we had you on for the first time and i didn't get into some stuff about you so i got some questions for you and let mm -hmm. me start here right so I know that you are a fifth-generation San Franciscan. I know you are from the Bay. I know that you love all the teams. But what I don't know, man, what's your sports hierarchy? Yeah, like between the Giants, between the Niners, man. between the Warriors, what team sticks out most for you? Well, I think this is going to sound like it's a cliche, but this is the honest-to-God truth. In my neighborhood, whatever sport – was in or closest to the postseason or in the middle of the season for, you know, whether it was park and rec or, or I was playing grammar school ball, like whatever I was in season, that to me was the sport I loved the most. Now, as I'm an adult, like personally playing, I'm going to go play softball later on tonight. I still coach hoops. I'm coaching volleyball right now. I love golf and you know, I love football. Like I don't play football right now. I'm damn near 40 years old, but like, I'm literally into whatever is going on at that particular time. I don't 
don't really have a hierarchy. Like my wife would tell you, I literally scream equal amounts at the television at all three of the major sports. I love being in the gym. Like I really do. I love being in the gym. I love coaching. I love playing. I think that's, that's the one thing that like, it's just, I, I love doing it. And then I love going out onto the field and playing baseball, playing catch. Like to this day, I'll play catch with my brother or my dad, literally in front, in the front yard. You know what I mean? Like I live to do that. Just little stuff, you know? So I know it sounds cliche. I really don't have like a hierarchy and it sounds like that's how we grew up in my neighborhood. Some days we played baseball. Some days we played basketball. Some days we played flag football. I didn't get into golf until I was an older, you know, individual. But now I'm able to share that with nephews, nieces, my wife, my grandfather, who's 86 years old, my dad, my brother. So honestly, like we could be at a family party like we were last week for my sister's kid. And there was a three foot dunk coop. And all of a sudden a heated three on three game broke out with a ball that was flat. Literally, okay, in the driveway. That's the kind of crazy, psycho-ass family that we have. We will compete over anything. I feel that, dude. I 100% feel that. I've had family functions fall apart over, like, made-up games. Oh, like, yeah. something we made up for my six-year-old, and then five minutes later, she's no longer playing, and, like, my parents and I hate each other because we want one of us to win. But I tell you what, I saw this possibility coming. So I have kind of shaved this question down to try to force you into an answer. And here it is. Yeah. So good news, Joe. You get to control the fucking future, man. Mm -hmm. And I am going to give you a multiple choice. You get to pick one of these three realities. All right. Reality number one. The Niners win the Super Bowl behind (laughs) Jimmy G while (laughs) developing Trey Lance. Reality number two. The Giants win the World Series this year, and on the way, Joe, they beat the Dodgers in a series finally. And option number three, the Warriors win the title, and while they're doing that, Steph walks away with the finals MVP. You only get one of them, man. You can only enjoy one of those scenarios. Which one you pick? Oh, my God. I haven't seen my 49ers win one in 25 years. Like, we've been so close. It feels like we're the bridesmaids. I would lean in that direction. But I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like, I want to see Steph get to Joe Montana's number. I want to see him get to four. I want to see him get to five. I've said already, off top, Jerry Rice is the greatest athlete of all time, in my eyes, right? Barry Bonds, very close second. He's got all the cheating scandals attached to him. So it feels like you can't put him up there. But likability and the ability to change the way the game is played. I played in an era where if you shot three-pointers, coach was ready to yank you out. Like, literally no one shot threes when I was in high school. And then now, every single team I coach in third grade, I'm like, hey, let's do some layups. Where do you think the kids are starting? They're starting from the three-point line and half court trying to work their way in. It's totally changed. And you know what? It's actually a good shot these days, which is crazy because there's less bodies um, competing for them at the three-point line than there is under underneath where, where, where they can get their shot blocked. So I'm going to go with Steph Curry uh, right now, to be totally honest with you. Um, in terms of what I want to see from him, I want to see him win a finals, get to four or five. That would be freaking awesome. I mean, it really would. But I'm not going to lie, dude. The Niner won because I've seen Steph win them. I haven't felt and tasted that Niner championship in so long. It's right there, too. And the Giants, look, man, baseball, I never thought the Giants were going to get one. So they got the three, and I almost feel a little, like, kind of fat and happy like the king. You know what I mean? So, like, I can kind of go five, ten more years and be okay. It's been 25 years on the Niners, man. I guess I lean Niners over Steph. Uh, That makes sense to me. Uh, Maxime, how would you answer that, dude? I don't think I've ever thrown this towards you. So don't don't give me the hierarchy of teams. Just take the multiple choice for the future. You can pick A through C. It's a tough question. It is is a really tough question. I mean, you know, I love basketball first and foremost. And on top of it all, you know, I grew out in the farther East Bay. So I grew up with friends that were A's fans. And while my, Mm. my family is Giants fans, right, like I'm sort of pulled in two directions. And that's the same thing even though the Raiders don't exist in the Bay anymore, they still exist in the Bay in my heart, right? So again, kind of pulled in two directions. The Warriors are the only team that, you know, there's only one of them, right, uh, for the sport around here. Mm-hmm. So that's my allegiances are not at all divided. I am kind of a hater. Joe, you're going to pick that up as we go forward. I'm a, I'm a psychopath, oh, but I'm also a hater. Man. I know so, that. Yeah, there you go. And so let me let me illustrate that to you now. Um, the Warriors would be my pick. They, they have become my distant favorite over all other teams. But there's some hate here, too. So, like, I'm a recovering Raider fan, man. I'm from the East Bay. I had Raider season tickets. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what to do. You know, like, I'm kind of like a man without a team. I'm not going to fucking I'm root so for sorry. Vegas, dude. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that, but the only thing that would make it worse— and 
and I think you you will respect this as a member of the Bay, is if the Niners win a championship <laughs> and I have to watch my like all my boys who are Niner fans celebrate that in my face, you know. So I'm not down on that. Um, and the Giants thing, what a weird year. So I am a Giants fan. I am a Giants season ticket holder. Oh, and like sick. this this whole year, man, has been, we- you know, like I feel like we didn't believe it through most, you know, the For first sure. few months. Then once Chris Bryant added, like we, we, we are all allowing ourselves to dare to think World Series, but nobody wants to say it out loud, you know, so... The easiest thing here for me is the Warriors. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, and is even waterproof. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. And we are back. So I I mentioned this, dude, in the open, Um, but it's worth celebrating. You've gone from butcher shop owner to regular sports radio caller to now co-host of the morning show in your home city. And I was going to ask, look, is this a dream job? But I don't have to. Um, <laughs> you you answer that for me. I'm, I'm looking at a tweet from you. Quote, I pitch myself every single day. Blessed is an understatement. Me and one of my best friends at Bonte Hill waking up the city we love and grew up in. Talking about the dreams we love and root for. Dreams do come true. I sincerely am grateful. What a day. And then it's at Chase Center 95.7. The game, that was after you guys took over Chase Center and recorded for it. So let me turn this into a question. Mm. How the fuck did you do this? Man? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's yeah. not that everybody is going to, you know, the, the easy thing is we all want a dream job. But the yeah. harder thing, the thing I'm interested in is what did you do? Because talent isn't enough, right? Mm. I mean, like, yes, you've, you've got that. You've got the passion. You can talk out of your ass like we already <laughs> talked about. But it's more than that. You know, how did you elevate it? How, what does this path look like? Uh, well, man, this is a complicated question. And this is where I go back to sports, right? Like my whole life, all I did was play on two teams, whatever sport it was, soccer, flag football, baseball, basketball, two teams all year round. That's what we did. We really didn't have travel ball when I was growing up. Like that wasn't a thing. You played for your park. You know why? Because me and my brother would walk to the park every single day. Crocker Park, St. Mary's Park. We'd go to Excelsior Park, like wherever. And you just hung out. It was a different era. You know what I mean? It was a different way. And um I bounced around high schools. I was a bad kid. I had a lot of a lot of stuff going on in my family life and things like that. And I had a lot of anger in my heart. And uh, I got kicked out of so many different schools and I ended up not even getting my high school diploma. So for me, I was pushed right into the work environment, probably mm. more than anyone else who's in sports media. Cause most of the people in sports media, either they're former athletes who, you know, usually played division one or played professional at some level, or they went to college to get a sports degree. Well, I don't have any of those. I I literally started working in the back of a butcher shop when I was 14 years old to pay for some of my travel teams um, and and squads and whatnot, high school teams, summer league teams that I was playing on just so that we could afford it. Um, And so I think that that kind of changed, you know, my path. And and I started working and never thought that me getting into media would ever be anything. I worked warehouse jobs. I worked, I applied to Walgreens and got rejected. I worked in grocery stores. And then like literally, you know, I had uh, run-ins with the law and things like that. And I I had to like basically look myself in the mirror. My uncle said to me, you're going to be a victim the rest of your life, or you're going to try to save yourself, you know, and addiction and different things that were going on. I basically looked in the mirror and said, I got to stop, you know, 
trying to, to woe is me and cry and things like that. And I said, I'm, I'm going to start my own business because no one would hire me. I had a felony on my record. No one would hire me. I had yeah. no high school education, no college. I mean, I tried to go to city college for a little while. It was a disaster living out on my own. So I started my little meat shop. I, I ran that for a couple of years. I got a great opportunity working for a different company. The whole time I would call into sports talk radio. All right. And one day, because of social media, it was like 2008, 2009, Sal Castaneda, who knew my uncle from Reardon, said, hey, you need to come on to one of my podcasts. And like, ah, okay, whatever. Didn't make much of it. A couple years go by. Eventually we link up and I go and do the podcast with him. And he kind of whispers in my ear, man, you need to start your own podcast. I kind of laughed at him. And then I ended up doing a couple different episodes with him. And this is before technology allowed you to do what you can do now. Like now anybody can grab their iPhone and create content. Like right. it, it wasn't that way back in the day. You had to have credentials in journalism. You had to yeah. be a writer. You had to do something or be someone to get your foot in the door. And so I would call into Damon Bruce's show. I would call into Gary Radnich. I'd call into Ralph. I mean, I called into anyone, Rick Barry. And we only had one station at, for the longest time. Um, and then eventually I ended up getting an opportunity with Damon Bruce where he just let me get on air and we became friends and he would come into my meat shop and support me. And, and he said, man, of all the people that call in, I think you have an opportunity to do this. Well, eventually, I don't know if it was like 2015, 2016, I started doing a podcast and dude, I'd get like five listens and it'd be like all my, like my family and my homies, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it sounded like a Wu-Tang concert tape from like the early nineties where it just sounded horrible. Like the recording was horrible. I listened back. I'm screaming and yelling on the microphone about the Tom Sula 49ers or God knows what, with the warriors and Mark Jackson. And I would send the links to the iTunes. And this is way at the beginning of iTunes every single week to the program director at 95, seven, the game. I did this for a year or two. And this sure. guy laughed at me, didn't want to do anything with me. And the whole time, social media, you start to build like a presence, if you will, on social media. Not that I'm any, special, but I became friends with somebody like Bonte, who we kind of knew each other, but never really knew each other. We got a lot of overlapping friends because the city's a small place. And the next thing you know, I got an opportunity to come in and do an hour with Damon Bruce. And I came in in a suit because, you know, your boy, I, I owned one suit, the suit yep. I got married in. And I thought I was going to pitch myself to the program director because I've always been in sales. Said to the guy, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. He said, why don't you call in every single day? We'll run this gimmick. You'll be the caller of the day. He wouldn't pay me. He wasn't doing anything. I was like, okay, well, he gets fired. And the new guy who's there now, Matt Nahegan, comes in and he basically says to me, hey, somebody left. We have an opportunity. I'll give you a chance on a Saturday with Matt Kolsky. On that exact same day, I get this opportunity, my first ever show, Richard Sherman signs with the 49ers. And I just go absolutely buck Louie crazy. I get a phone call back from him and he's like, I've never heard anybody like you. Uh, you you're going to get a job here, you know, make Shit. you 15 bucks an hour or whatever the hell it was. I was like, I'll do it for free for crying out loud. And then over the next couple of years, I took every single shift I could possibly take nights, weekends, you name it. I'm still working two jobs. Um, and I worked my, you know what off. Got an opportunity to work with Chris Townsend at night, who I dearly love and taught me so many different things. He ends up leaving. They give me an opportunity to, to host the show for a while by myself. And then they bring in Ryan Covey, who joined the station. And Ryan taught me anything and everything. And we were allowed to kind of do our own thing at night. And I'm literally never thought that this would ever be an opportunity. I know it's a long-winded way of putting it, but perseverance. That's literally the story of me is I'm a person who was raised in the gutter. My uncle says it's like a rat and a puppy. You get thrown in a cage. Who's going to come out? The rat is the sewer rat. And I'm the sewer rat that somehow found his way out of the cage. And I'm just lucky as hell to be here, man. And I don't take it for granted because I've worked every kind of job that you possibly can work. And I know how expensive these tickets are because I spend to yep. this day, my yep. own money on these tickets and on this gear. And it's not just the teams. This is like a lifestyle. My grandfather still calls me screaming and yelling about Tyler Roger in the eighth inning. My dad is like sending me text messages nonstop about Jimmy G staring down receivers about Steph Curry's behind the back pass in the, in the game seven, 2016 finals where we had the whole family over on father's day. My dad almost broke my television. My wife almost kicked us all out of the house. Like this isn't just something that I like to do. This is literally ingrained in my life. And I volunteer and I coach at different levels. And so man, and if it wasn't sports, I literally would not know what I'd be doing with myself. I fucking love that. 
Um, I, I don't. I think it was Bruce Springsteen. Talk about a random ass reference. But years and years and years ago, I heard him talking about his career, and that's where I got that talent isn't enough line. He said, <laughs> "Look, you know, talent's fucking one thing, but you the, the people are never going to find that talent unless you find a way to get it to them." Mm-hmm. And what you just described wasn't just perseverance, man. What you described was hard work, perseverance, mm-hmm. pride. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things involved. Three follow up for me. One. You and I have a lot in common. Uh, you said you had a lot of problems growing up. Let's just say my first car accident came at the age of 13. Two, wow. You can go ahead and say the word ass on this show. I mean, I've <laughs> dropped enough F-bombs like in the front 10 minutes here. So go for it. Finally, three, I've got another uh, personal question for you. And what I want to do is prove to you I've basically stocked you in preparation for today. And our crossover here will be Matt Kolsky. So I pulled a <laughs> quote from a Matt Kolsky article, one from the oh, wow. SF Examiner called Butcher Boy Delivering the Bacon to Washington High School. Here's the quote. I want to keep other young men and women from repeating the same stupid mistakes that I made and help them realize that you can use sports as an outlet to not only do really good things for your own life, but for others as well. I've coached for over a decade. About 11 or 12 years ago, I had a nephew who was in school and they were looking for a coach and I kind of backed into it. Looking back, I can honestly say it changed my life because it made me look at everything in a different light. How young people are shaped and who has influenced them really does matter. I saw so many people, whether in my own experiences or watching from afar, doing it the wrong way for the wrong reasons. That was your quote, obviously mm-hmm. talking about your coaching background. So my first few follow-ups, you've already answered. Yeah, I was going to ask, what did you coach? What did it add? You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. So I'm just going to get to the kind of entertaining one. So you've, you've been coaching for hell of long. It <laughs> sounds like you've been coaching a lot of different sports, a lot of different ages. Here's my question for you. What's some of the worst shit you've seen either a parent or a kid do as oh, a coach? Like just some inappropriate, whatever it was, what springs to mind? Well, let me give you the funniest one of all time. I'm coaching a baseball team. It's got to be like eight, nine years ago. And I'm going, all right, where, where's, I'm just going to say the kid's name's Billy because that's not his name. Where's Billy? Why isn't he on deck? I'm looking at my little brother and my little brother's like, I, I don't know where he is because you're always going to have the right kid on deck in the batting order because you'd be shocked <laughs> if you don't stay on it, you get called out. It, it's a nightmare. And the kid's like, oh, yeah. Somebody's somebody's in the bushes taking a dump. I'm like, taking a dump? <laughs> no. What? Are you kidding me? Now, again, this is San Francisco. Some of the parks, like the restaurant, the restrooms are literally locked, you know, because they don't want the homeless people going in there and messing them up. And I'm screaming and yelling for where the kid's at. He comes running out and the shirt is untucked and it looks like there's dirt or something on the back oh, of the jersey. No, and no. the kid steps into the batter's box, puts his hand up. He's digging in. And the umpire, who's a high school kid, because this is like a seventh grade game, calls timeout and goes, kid, I think there's poop on the back of your pants. And he goes, no, there isn't. He goes, yeah, there is. So the kid reaches down into the batter's box, gets a big pile of dirt, rubs it on his pants and goes, I'm good. And I was like, no, you're not. And I took him out of the game and I made him go, you know, change and do all that. It was absolute nightmare. Look, here's the problem with, with most sports. It's for the kids. That's the problem. The majority of people who play sports, myself included, we're not going to go to the next level. You're not going to go to the pros. We're talking about 1% of 1% of 1% of 1%. But what you will learn is certain skills that will carry you no matter what industry or whatever walk of life you're going to be in. How to lose. You know how much you lose in life? You probably aren't going to get the job. You're probably not going to get the promotion. You're probably not going to date the prom queen. You're probably not going to meet many girls that actually like you back in the club scene when you're in your early 20s. I feel like like this is a documentary of my life, dude. Like, I mean, Jesus, like you're reading my diary. You, you get rejected a zillion times, but it's how you react to that and what you do when the chips are stacked against you, how you treat teammates, how do you deal with winning, all these different things. Like if you suck, like here's my favorite. There's a kid, my, my niece is a great example. She's a great basketball player, a phenomenal basketball player on all these elite Jason Kidd travel basketball teams. She stinks in volleyball. She wanted to quit in sixth grade. And I'm like, no, you need huh. to learn to be the 11th person on a 12-man sure. bench. You need yeah. to know what it's like to be like, like that because someday you're going to be on some other basketball team where you're not the superstar and it's the best thing that ever happened to her and that's what sports is about it's not blowing up your ego it's about putting you in situations and and seeing how you react to those i mean it's and also there's obviously the health thing and then the activity aspect 
of it because I was a kid, my parents both worked or they were up to God knows what. And so if me and my brother didn't have organized sports after school, we would have been getting in way more trouble than we already did. And believe me, we got into plenty of trouble. So growing up in the inner city, it's hard to find a place for young kids to be able to congregate and do something productive with themselves. So if you can coach a bunch of kids, no matter what the sport is, and they don't have to be good, they don't have to be good. You are literally putting them in a position to succeed in other aspects of life. I've seen all these studies, kids that play sports, they don't even have to be good. They are better people and contributors to community. There is a direct correlation to that. And I'm telling you, man, it teaches you success for life. Do you know how much heart that seventh grader had? I mean, just like sporting oh, heart. So, I mean, yeah. like, maybe this is more like revealing about me. But <laughs> if it was the World Series, I would not shit uh, in public as a seventh grader. You know, like I'd be like, I'd be so worried and so concerned. And that fool was down to just hit the bushes and then immediately hit the batting box. He deserves hey. a unlimited amount of credit. Let me tell you this. His father was the offensive line coach at City College football for a long, long time. His dad's old school. I mean, old school. Cool. So it doesn't surprise me. I think the kid was playing at UNR rugby for a while. So <laughs> it, none of this surprises me. And he's the oldest of like three or four brothers. You know how things go, man. It's yeah. just crazy Irish kids. Well, I'll give you a stupid story so that you can judge me a little bit. So um, I've mentioned it. I'm a father. My kid's pretty young, man. She's six, and okay. she's just started sports. In fact, this last weekend, Sunday, was the first time she's played in any live game that I watched. It was soccer. Awesome. Um, and it was cool. You know, I was super fired up for it. I've got competitive problems, and we're sitting there watching. And we halfway, all do. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. And I realize I'm watching it, you know, maybe two minutes in, I'm watching on the wrong sideline. <laughs> all the other parents over there are, you know, like they're rooting for their kids and their kids are on the other team and that's fine. It's not like I'm, I'm really saying anything. And then we move on and by some miracle, my kids score. She's, she's not phenomenal, but you know, like she, she scores and they, they pause for a second. And I'd like to tell you that I played it cool, Joe. Instead, I rushed the field and picked her up. <laughs> like I was Buster Posey and she was Madison Bumgarner after we won the series. Like it oh, was, it was like, too. and so in my mind, you're like the, the, it's like slow motion and like this, like fantastic music is playing. And then I slowly look around and, and I'm the asshole. Every, you know, everyone's very upset that I'm on the field. So turning back to you, I mean, you're the professional in this instance. You've, you've coached a lot of things. Was that a father, you know, like embracing his look, kid's success or maybe a little bit too much? Look, obviously there's a fine line, but let me tell you this, man. LeVar Ball's <laughs> a great example. He gets tons of flack. Do you know how oh, many no. kids that I know who don't you have to say parents? I was like LeVar Ball, man, because that's not no. going to make me feel that good. No, 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 but I just think he's an extreme case, right? We always look at him and they're like, oh my God, he's, he's suffocating and everything. Dude, that guy's been in his kids' lives. I have a nephew, man. His 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 father lives in Ireland. He flew back there at 13 years old. The dad couldn't even get off the bar stool and look at him. You know, do you know how horrible of a dad you got to be? You yeah. know, you're there. You're at the game supporting him. Are you a little suffocating at times when they <laughs> when they do something well? Absolutely. But I'd rather that and, and you be in that person's life than to be nowhere to be found. Because too many times I see uh, whether it's a mother, father, whomever, someone in their life let them down and they're just not there. Um, so look, man, it, it's 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 not the end of the world to have to be reeled back in a little now where this is where it can get a little ugly when you're living vicariously through your children and your expectations are unreasonable and you think little timmy is going to play shortstop for the yankees if he goes three for three today or if you think he bats third in the lineup or your kid only plays point guard and needs to play all 24 minutes of a 24 minute game like there there's obviously limitations to it and everything but look man i I don't fault any parent for being excited about their kid succeeding. That's what it's all about. My dad, he coached a lot of our teams growing up and he was so hard on me, so hard on me. I can never do enough. And he always felt like, Hey, I got to critique you more than the others because I don't want these other parents or other grandparents thinking that I'm soft on my own kid. So you'll learn in time how to strike that balance. But the fact that you're even there, that's what, that's what this is about, man. It's about memories. It's not about the goals. I'll take this. I love this. Maxime, make sure that we sign up Joe like on a weekly basis if he's down. Um, and my new goal now before the next game, I'm going to teach my kid how to shit in the bushes before she gets out there. <laughs> Let's jump into the segment, man. Five golden questions, right? So fancy name, easy concept. Really, all this is is a mailbag. People are nice enough to shoot us questions. Some logistical warnings, man. They occasionally get personal. I've seen the questions we're going to be answering today. Yeah, they, they'd get in and out. Logistical point number two, 
Um, I find, because we're going to be doing some predictions today, I find predictions without any stakes to be crazy boring, right? I mean, for what? So we have a listener out there, Matty Stats, who keeps track of everything we do, and at the end of the year comes back and kicks out who was our prediction champion, which leads to the third point, and it's the one that sucks the most. The one who is our current prediction champion is your boy, Bonte Hill. And I am so tired of calling him that, dude. So today's goal (laughs) is twofold. We are beating Bonte's ass, hopefully. And two, I'm going to get some advice from you. Let's start with a prediction. And it's kind of an interesting one. Um, So this person asks, how many points per game will Steph average next season so that you have some parameters Career, 24.2. Last season, 32. To give us both some time to think, let's throw it towards Maxime. Maxime, give us your response. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we got to think about uh, where he was at last season, who he was surrounded by, um, and the sort of the stakes for that game. You know, I think let's hope that Clay comes back a a little bit more right midseason, see some more from Wiggins. We got to get Poole a little bit more um, of a shoot. So I don't think he's going to get up to 32. Uh, I'm going to say like 29 and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow suit and I'm going to make it for optimistic reasons, right? I mean, there's a reason why Steph was a god last year and why he put up 32. Part of it was his skill set and it's got to be recognized. The other part is he didn't have any damn help on the offensive end, man. He was being guarded by five dudes and still put up 32. If next year goes the way that we are all desperately hoping it does. If Clay is close to Clay, if Jordan Poole is close to the sixth man we think he is, if Kaminga contributes, if any of these things go down, then those points hopefully will be coming from his points per game. So I'll knock it down even a little further than you. I'm going to say 27 and a half. Joe, what do you got? Yeah, it's funny because right when you said it, before I heard either of you guys' predictions, I was thinking 28 and a half is kind of the sweet spot for me. Like, yeah. honestly, and it just happens to be in between you guys. So I'm going to go with 28 and a half. I, the, the key thing for me is I think that they realized as we got down the stretch, obviously the the, the tailbone injury was, was devastating to him. He was gassed in fourth quarters, straight up gassed. And obviously the guy's going to be gassed when he's working off ball, running through 8,000 screens the way he does. I, I think they're going to try to really, especially early on in the season, limit the minutes and limit how this guy is being used and try to make the game easier for him. I think he's going to be as efficient as hell though. So even if the numbers are down in terms of the overall points per game, I bet the minutes are down too and I bet he's probably more efficient when it's all said and done Yep, and that's what we're hoping for I mean with if those numbers go that way if his points per game goes down chances are the wins per season yes goes up you know which is the one thing that we actually care about all right this one I'm I'm fired up for and I'll admit to you dude it came from me all right so this past week Chris Weber was inducted into the 2021 Hall of Fame class all right and and that response is exactly what I want to hear because here's the question Is it okay that I still fucking hate Chris Webber? And and before you answer it, for those who are a little bit new to being Warrior fans and maybe too young to remember this, the Warriors were dog shit for decades, for decades before Steph. But there was kind of a lone diamond in that ashtray. The Warriors picked up Webber in a draft day trade. They got him in 1993, and for a year... It looked like shit was going to change. We were on the up and up. He even uh, filmed a Nike commercial, one of my favorite poop commercials of all time. Down the street from my house. Boom, at the barbershop. Exactly right. Where where he dunks on Barkley. So, like, everything was was changing. It was kind of cool to be Warriors fans. And then literally that offseason, after one year, he demands a trade. He says he cannot be coached by Don Nelson. He gets forced out, you know, and, and we end up with Tom Gugliotta and three shitty draft picks. And for years, it was all good to hate Weber. When he showed up in the Bay, we booed the hell out of him. I mean, just like like the Princess Bride boo. Like, we booed with everything we had. But somewhere along the line, it's like we've forgotten that. Like, it doesn't happen anymore. So, Joe, I know you've been rooting for this team forever. I know you've got this passion. It might be like this hatred. Let it go, or is it still justified? No, no. Well, first off, he's a horrific broadcast. That's number one. The guy's terrible. I'm sorry. He's terrible. Like, just be funny. Be educational. Don't be yourself because you're not that good. Chris Webber's terrible. Here's the issue that I got with Webb. 
He never took accountability at any point in his life, whether it was the Michigan situation, which I don't blame kids per se, but he clearly lied under oath in that situation. Just admit it. Like, dude, look, come on. You, you, you got paid to go to Michigan and play with the Fab Five. Everybody knows that. You don't got to hide nothing. And I think time will end up uh, proving that one to be true. But more than anything, it's like, dude, had you just listened to Nelly, and I don't think Nelly's perfect, believe me, he's not above being criticized because he would throw guys in the doghouse all the time. Had you done that, you would have went straight to the Hall of Fame exactly with the right. Golden State Warriors, averaging 28, what, 15, 16, your entire career. The West was ripe to be picked off. And he wasted two or three years of his career, maybe even more, you know, floundering around in Washington before he figured it out in Sacramento. And then this is the part people forget. They got him back in 2008, the year after we believe, and they tried to squeeze him into the starting role. And I, it, I swear to God, it cost them the one or two games <laughs> that, that eventually led to them not making the playoffs the very next year. Look, the Jay Rich trade, everyone references with Brandon Wright, throw that to the side. To me, it was just as egregious that they freaking started Chris Webber with like the, 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 the arthroscopic knee with the micro fracture injury. And the guy literally couldn't bend over and couldn't jump. My grandma, 91 years old, could jump higher than Chris Webber in 08. I'm telling you, those minutes cost the Warriors games down the stretch. I, I can't stand Webber. Don't even start. And Kings fans, Warrior fans that became Kings fans during oh, that era drove me one. even more insane. They, 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 done, they lost their status as Warrior fans the second that happened. You can't be following them. All, all you are is a bandwagon fan. That 2008 thing, shit, it's too bad that we didn't know each other back then, man. I, I could have used this kind of emotional support because Nelson was the coach then too. I know. And I kept waiting for fools to be like, look, at least acknowledge that this dude screwed us over in this exact scenario. Let me throw uh, another name at you. Both of you. I don't know. Derek Fisher is another name. If I hear him. Derek Fisher's uh, no, name. Fuck him. He left us. Oh he fucking God. left us after he signed oh a huge ass God. contract and then bounced immediately. Told us uh, if memory serves us because he, he wanted to play him. like close to his daughter and then ended oh, yeah. up bouncing from there too. To go yes, to Utah. I, yes. It's, 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 and then beat us in the playoffs in 07. <laughs> Outside of 0.7 seconds, I don't remember anything that Darren <laughs> Fisher ever did well on a basketball court. Marcus, I see that you have joined us. I'm fired up to have you start with the Weber thing, dude. So, um, Joe, Marcus is kind of our calm member of the show. You know, I, oh. I get all fired up. I'm all over the place. Marcus tends to play it a little bit cooler, which is hell of annoying. So we'll see where he <laughs> is on this. MT, you uh, do you hate Weber or have you forgiven him? Ah, yes. I am the caller member. Um, I, I, I'm split on this because my family went to University of Michigan. So um, he screwed you over, too. He screwed over Michigan as well. It's go blue. I mean, the, the timeout is more egregious to me than getting paid. But um, I think, agreed. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, ultimately, I no, I, I don't hate him. I mean, the Sacramento team was so fun to watch that it's it's hard for me to not like him. Um that team, I think, just got hosed by the referees and the Lakers in that playoff series and should have moved on to the finals. But um, are you what, one of those fans? Wait a minute. Did uh, you are you one of the people who went over to Sacramento and became a fucking Kings fan? No, but I liked watching them. Like if I had NBA League Pass at that time, they would have been my second team. See, Joe, I told you, hell of a so, What's funny is I hated the Kings as much as I hated the Lakers. Of course I, was, you did. I was pulling for the Portland Jail Blazers at that time. Brian Absolutely. Grant was my guy. My guy, Brian Grant, yeah. Rasheed Wallace. I mean, all of us. Wells. For, <laughs> yes, for for me, it wasn't even who Portland was. It's who they weren't. They weren't a team yes, in California yes. who was doing well while my team yes. sucked ass. Yeah. You know, it's just like I don't. I didn't care. I didn't care where the hell they were from. I just didn't want Sacramento to have any success at any point. Let's get personal, boys. Here's the question. You guys are nice enough to share a ton about your personality. We know that Bram is basically a bad person, that Marcus can't admit his faults, and that Maxime occasionally wears moccasins, which is crazy weird. I'd love to hear another portion of your mental makeup. If you are invited to someone's house, are you more likely to show up early or late? Here's what we do, Joe, instead of just answering mm. these. We take these as an opportunity to judge one another. So let's start with me, boys. I will give you the actual truthful answer. But what's your guess? Marcus, what do you think? I get invited somewhere for a social situation. Am I more likely to get there a little early or maybe I show up kind of late? I think you get there early and try to leave as early as possible, too, because you <laughs> hate being around people. 
We call that the hit and run. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maxime, what's your take? We're talking like when we say social situations, we're specifically referring to like drinking events and like kind of like more social atmospheres. Yeah, like not not something either work related or family related. I right, hate right. Work related stuff. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, I man. hate it. I uh, hate drinking around. Is I never do it around coworkers. It is so fake. I don't. Ah, oh, it's the worst. Uh, I uh, as and Maxine, we're gonna get to your answer, but just as a random aside, I worked for this firm hell of years ago, like ten years ago, and in the uh, right when I started, every like final Friday of the month, they would have this thing where everyone would get together and drink. But all the people who had been there for longer than four or five years would bounce immediately. Like they, you know, they'd have like one sip and then get the hell out of there. And you'd notice it and be like, oh, that's kind of scandalous. And then about three months in, you realize that wasn't scandalous. That was hell of smart. Genius. Like they, they had already seen the, the professional situation go from professional to shit show. Mm. And they knew just like, nope, I'm going to go ahead and not be a part of this. But Maxime, back to judgment. What do you think, man? Yeah, so, well. I think you show up a little bit late, right? Because I, I know you well enough to know that um, you feel a little bit of pressure to participate in these environments, right? And so, like, even if you wanted to get there on time, and like, even if they're your friends, you know, you still have this this animosity towards the situation in general, and I think that causes you to just get delayed in getting there. Joe, I won't make you guess because you and I have just met, but if you, if you have a take on this, you're welcome to drop it. If not, I'll, uh, I'll drop the truth here. Well, like a married man, I'm sure that you show up late because I show up late to every function with my wife, no matter where we go. So that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, well, fuck. Then, then let's work backwards. If I'm going anywhere with my wife, I'm getting there hell of late because she is crazy late to anywhere Always. we go. So that just, that's just is what it is, and that's a, a pet peeve for a different time. The actual response, so I'm somewhere in the middle here. So like being late is actually like something that pisses me off. If I invite fools through and they get there late, I get deep in my feelings. I might even throw you like kind of a passive aggressive text, you know, like, oh, are we still kicking it? But the other side to this is I like to show up occasionally fashionably late to like social situations because I think it makes me look fucking important. So I'm not above that. <laughs> so the real response here is all of you guys are right. If I was with my wife, I'm dead. Definitely late. Regardless of when I get there, I try to get the hell out of there as fast as I can because there's too many of like social situations. And if it's a business thing, I'm there like 10 minutes early. If it's a social thing, I'm there like a good 20 minutes late. And I pretend like I didn't know what time it was supposed to start. So I'm a bad guy. Let's go to Marcus. Let's guess. MT, I'll guess first. Late. Definitely late. I don't think you like to be late, but you and I have kicked it in enough scenarios where you are not there when I think you're going to be there. So I'm just, just going to flatly say late. Nice. Is it safe to call this a social situation? Because MT was late today. <laughs> Welcome back to shithousing Marcus. It's... I'm going to go with early. He sounds like a very smart, diligent, detail-oriented individual. Jesus, Joe, you've talked to him for like five seconds. Yeah, but he I mean, seems very thoughtful. <laughs> Joe, oh, you're my guy already. I like Yeah, goddamn it. I hate your voice, Marcus. <laughs> and I hate how apparently professional you sound. What's the real answer? The real answer is I try to get there right on time because I hate having a bad seat. I hate having to be crammed in to two people who I don't want to talk to or to be on the edge and you always have to get up because everybody wants to go to the fucking bathroom every four minutes. So I try to get there right on time because I know there's going to be people on both sides of that starting time and I can have a choice seat. Do you only go to like couch parties? What are you talking about? Like dude, you go in and you're immediately slotted into a sitting scenario? No, I mean, you know, uh, all the places that we go, even where we go, you know, like when we go out to a bar, like there are bench seats and there are seats like you got to strategically get there to get your seat. Correct. Next time we hit the athletic club, wherever it is you see it, I'm going to immediately find like the most canned boring person and desperately ask them to sit next to you and screw you over. <laughs> I'll be there before you get there. So it won't happen. <laughs> Factually inaccurate. You and I have met and you're going to be there late. I know that for <laughs> fucking sure. Uh, let's go to Maxime. Joe, you apparently are nailing these things. You've, you've been able to talk to Maxime for a little bit longer. What's your guess with him? Yeah, a little neurotic. So I'm sure very early because he doesn't want to upset anyone. And I mean no disrespect. I, I, uh, disrespect? I, you're a goddamn soothsayer. I feel like that is on the money, and I can speak from general experience. 
Well, no, you've been late a couple of times when we've hung out, but I will say early as wow. a general matter, yeah. and I think it means something to you. It's a good I thing. I think it's a kind of thing like if you get to places late, it causes you anxiety. Marcus, before he gives us the truth, what's your guess? I'm going early, too. I think he does it out of respect to show that he cares about the other person giving their time up, too, because that's just how Maxime rolls. What a professional, nice, perfectly phrased answer. Go fuck yourself, Marcus. Maxime, what's your guess? So, uh, what's the truth? <laughs> what's my guess? Yeah, I'm just getting yeah, to know myself truth? a little bit better today. And, uh, <laughs> Look, we're all in therapy. There's a lot to learn. You know, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, uh, I like to pride myself on being somebody who is early, which is why it's so fucking brutal that I'm always late. The anxiety just, like... <laughs> triples down on itself because I, I just I can't seem to figure it out I'm trying to do too many things I'm trying to record a podcast and then I gotta go to a meeting or whatever <laughs> so you're basically all right in understanding exactly who I am shout out to the listener for um saying mental makeup that was a nice alliteration there um we got a little bit more about my mental makeup here which is that the anxiety is happening and I am late and it makes it all the worse which leads us to Joe. So we've just uh -oh. met. We know the question. We're going to guess. Um, and so my guess initially, Joe, and I'm going to pull back the curtain here, would have been that you can be late. Here's why. So, boys, I reached out to Joe via text. First, I reached out to him via Twitter. He was nice enough to share his number so that I texted him. Texted him on Saturday. And as you guys can imagine, anytime I'm texting a guest we haven't had on, it's like texting a hot girl for the first time. You know, like, <laughs> I just want him to text back, and I'm hella fucking nervous about it. So I text him, I think, on Saturday. I get nothing back on uh, Saturday. I'm, I'm checking my phone like a thousand times. Yeah. I get nothing back on Sunday, checking a thousand times. Then I get something back on Monday. So initially... I would have told you boys, hey, you know, he's late. Then I reread my text. I reread that first text and it came off as one of those super canned ass texts you get from like the people trying to talk you out of the recall. You know, like the, I mean, and literally here's the beginning of it. Hey Joe, this is Bram from the Warriors Huddle Podcast. Does next Wednesday wear? And I was like, oh, I bet you he just, so I think that was more on me. He came to today's show fairly early. So long story short, boys, I think this gentleman in that setting would be early is uh is my guess uh empty I, I hope that you don't return the compliment but i'm sure that you will he had your back do you have his what do you think i do have his back and i was listening and i think he's gonna say late and it's because his wife makes him late <laughs> his wife's not coming oh my god that what an annoying answer again <laughs> <laughs> maxine yeah so you know we we got to hear um joe's joe's little story and i feel like somebody that has worked a butcher shop, you know, and then has coached, understands the value of being on time. And as some of my biggest mentors have told me, if you're on time, you're late. You got to uh -huh. show up early. Uh-huh. Yeah. Joe, what's uh, the answer? Well, so let me let me defend myself first on the text message. So my sister moved up to <laughs> Roseville. No, because this is the truth. My sister moved up to Roseville. I go pick up my grandfather. It's uh, my nephew's birthday. And so we're driving up to Roseville. And, you know, you plug your phone in. You're going to do the, the Google Maps or whatever, Apple Maps to go on up there. And you texted. And my wife looked at the phone because Bonte was texting me all day. She's like, do not text while driving with your grandfather <laughs> in the car. You are not allowed to respond. And I got totally distracted. And I'm not trying to look. My phone goes crazy on Saturdays during football days because of all the degenerate gamblers that we work with at our station. And so I legitimately just forgot to text you back and then i looked at my twitter whatever it was a couple of days later i'm like oh my god i forgot to respond to this text on saturday <laughs> i'm always early to everything you talk to ask bonte bonte will tell you i'm the first one at the studio every single day and that's not because of anything i want to over deliver at every single uh turn I'm in sales and I've been in sales my entire life. You show up ready to go, doing all your homework, being prepared, all right? And you are calm and relaxed and that way you can walk in with all the confidence in the world and you're not running late. People's time is valuable and I hate wasting it. Now, party settings, it is very scene dependent. Where are we going? Are we heading to a bar? Are we heading to a family member's house who I don't want to be alone with in the house before other people show up? That's different. <laughs> Work settings, always early. B will tell you I'm the first one at the studio every single day. And that's more me always trying to over-prepare because I don't want to leave uh, any doubt that I'm working my ass off. And, and that goes back to being neurotic because Maxime, let me tell you, I it takes one to know one. I'm crazy <laughs> neurotic and full of anxiety. So, and if it's a sporting game, I'm never late and I never leave early. That is like a rule to me going to a sporting. We are going to enjoy the entire experience. 
Back to hoop, boys. Um, and what it is is a series of over-unders from your new best friend, Moses Moody. Joe, I, I saw your interview with him, and you guys oh, got a great, great story. Great story from him. But here's some of the over-unders, and here's our first. Moses Moody points per game next year. This gentleman put it at 8.5. Modest number, but that's kind of what we're expecting from this front year. MT, take us first. Over-under, 8.5. Under, but not because he underperforms, it's because there's not enough shots to go around once Clay gets back. And, um, you know, he'll be a great asset, but I think he averages a little a little under 8.5 for the year. Joe, you agree? Mm, this is a tough one because I got to kind of see what the flow is, what the rotations are. Eight and a half points? I mean, you'd almost be doubling up what Draymond did last year, <laughs> if we're being really totally yeah. honest with you. And Draymond's out there a lot. That team's a little aggressive for me. I'd be really happy if he had a couple of months over eight and a half points because that tells me he's a piece in the rotation. And we know that Steve Kerr likes to yank the young guys at times. So that's a little rich for my blood. I'm going to hit the under, but I think there's a couple of individual months he might go over, especially toward the end of the season. Maxine, let's shift it. The new number, 12.8. The over-under is minutes per game. I did a little background research. I know where this 12.8 came from. That's how many minutes per game Michael Mulder had mm. for us last year. So next year, with wow. Mulder's numbers as our guide, over-under minutes per game for Moses Moody, 12.8. Maxime, what do you got? Wow, what a fascinating comp. That's actually surprising. I didn't realize that the number was that high for Mulder, quite frankly. Um, but I, yeah, I think, you know, Joe was sort of uh, kind of hinting at something that I think is really interesting here, which is this idea that, like, if the season's going well, you know, when we get to, like, you know, February-ish, we might see an uptick in that, and so that might balance it out. I'm going to I'm gonna say over. I'm going to say over for optimistic reasons. Um, something has got to hit for the Warriors to have the success that we're all kind of hinting around. There's a lot of lottery tickets that are possibilities. Maybe Jordan Poole takes a huge leap. Maybe Wiseman takes a huge leap. Maybe Moody is more of a contributor than we were uh, – previously thinking he might be so just to be optimistic if Mulder is our guide I'll take the over last question back to you two boys the number is four all right here's the over under how many years were Moses Moody playing Golden State I don't I had, I had looked into this one too this is a guess but it's an educated one the reason why it's four is that right now he's under contract for two years then that third year is a team option and then finally, the fourth one, they, uh, they can make a qualifying offer. So, Joe, what do you think? Will Moody be making his home here in Golden State for f more than the next four seasons? You know, I'm going to say he is. I'm going to say he is. You know, just being around this kid at 19 years old, and, you know, I've seen a lot of different athletes, 19. All right, I don't know how many of you guys got 19-year-olds in your life. I can't even get a 19-year-old to get out of bed and turn the PlayStation 5 off by 4 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, this kid was very, very, very impressive, very humble, hardworking. I think that this is a really, really good player on the come-up. Now, I think it might take some time, but I think they're going to keep him around. And his game translates. 3 and D guys, those guys are easy to find spots for. I think he's going to fit in really well. And, and the other thing is, I don't think he's going to pop into a superstar per se. And I think that makes it a little more financially feasible sure. to keep someone like that on the roster for a couple of years. Cause you got to round out that bench. So I'm going to, I'm going to say he ends up staying. Yeah. I'm going to say four. Yeah. Over four. MT, is it safe to buy a Moody Jersey? Do you agree? Um, I disagree, but not as a slight to Moses as a compliment. I think um, it'll be under because he will be part of a trade, trade package that we use to squeeze the last few years out of Steph and Clay and Draymond. You still um, holding on to that, man? Do you, so do you think, I mean, uh, Joe, to bring you into this so that you can wait with bated breath like I am, mm -hmm. Marcus and I spent a lot of time um, before the draft saying, look, you know, to, Steph is probably the best player we're ever going to watch in a Golden State jersey. They have to maximize right now. It doesn't matter who they get in the draft. They need to bring in some help for him. Then they got Kaminga. I mean, they got who they got, which leads back to the question for you, MT. So after all the optimism around the young guys, in your heart of hearts, are you still thinking trade and bringing, you know, the, the Bradley Beals of the world? Uh, yeah, I still think he is going to be a great player to Joe's point in that um, he will be a solid three and D player. And so will Kaminga. And I think Wiseman will grow into his role. I just think there'll be valuable pieces that will bring back somebody who's not available right now. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, somebody who we're not expecting to be available 
and it'll be too hard to pass up to not include Moody as a piece to not only make the salaries work, but to make the talent work for the other team to bite. Did you just throw in Anthony Davis? Are you starting a trade rumor for Anthony Davis right now? I think so. I mean, he's always injured. I, we joke about it, and I th- he's you know catastrophically injured once every game. But um, I think you know once LeBron starts to wind down in the next two years, that it'll be a consideration. Um, he loves LA, so who knows? He may just want to be the face of that franchise. But to partner with Steph and Clay and Draymond and squeeze another championship run out might be a, a good look. Do you know how fucking entertaining it would be for me if Clutch Sports went to Anthony Davis, talked him out of his own franchise in New Orleans, brings him over to L.A., and then as LeBron's career is slowly fading, they trade his ass out so that they can give like LeBron some other kind of help. Like That would be, I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be so fantastic. Draymond, Draymond's in their ear. He's Clutch. <laughs> there you go. Draymond. Our last question, boys, and I know I've kept us crazy long, so we'll get through this one fast. It's an illustration of how crazy I am, and I need some advice, all right? So third time I've mentioned, again, I'm a parent, and she is now getting to this age, dude, where she's in school. She was in kindergarten last year, but last year was a pandemic year, so even though like oh, she was meeting all these God new kids you. and shit, oh, dude, it's weird, and there's all these other problems with it. But one of the upside is, for an entire year, we were able to push off those super awkward social interactions where you have to meet all the other parents, you know? <laughs> and so now they're happening, dude. They're happening for the first time. And a couple weeks ago, we had one of the first birthday parties that we showed up to. And just as an aside, man, I haven't had like social anxiety like that since like junior high, you know, like coming into a group of people that I now have to somehow make friends with and try to like, oh, like, no, don't you like me? Like, I just haven't had to do that for so long. So that sucked ass. But that's not the story. Story is this. So we're sitting there, everyone's desperately trying to make conversation, and I meet this dude who tells me he's from Boston, but he's living in Oakland, the city I was born and raised in, and that he really likes the city, but he's noticed that there's so many transplants in Oakland now that the city is kind of ruined and he no longer likes it, right? So for me, that'd be like if someone told me, like, look, I like to bring three-course meals into this movie theater, but the reason I don't like that theater is because too many people eat in there. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you're causing the problem. You can't bring this out. But here's the question. So if you're me in that scenario, and you're, you know, you're kind of trying to make friends. You don't really know this dude. It's, it's an up and up conversation, but he takes a shot at your hometown essentially. Right. And, and calls out gentrification, even though he is the gentrifier. Do you say something in that scenario, Joe? Like, would you call him out passive aggressively or do you just, you know, nod and smile and like, it is what it is. Just try to get out of there and, and eat it, man. I like to just do, Wow. Interesting. And I just <laughs> nod my head and let them continue to just talk. And then I pray that someone pulls me in another direction <laughs> or I pretend like my phone's ringing. And then I like pick up my phone. Hello. Hello. I got to take this. I'll be right back. Like that's we, we have an aunt in the family and this stays here, but she'll like suck you into these conversations that go nowhere. And the key is you go, you know, what you're saying is very important, but I have to go refill my drink. I'll be right back. And then you turn around and they suck someone else into that conversation. Yeah. You got to hit the EJ button bro I, I don't know just anything you can to try to move away and get away from that because that's ridiculous Mexico, or, uh, Marcus I see you being like calm and curious in that scenario like just like huh like tell me more about that like not being upset and like actually having the conversation with him instead of getting like deeply triggered into your feelings like it sounds like Joe and I would uh, I'd be deeply triggered I would just give a very passive comment like yeah it's a problem and then just <laughs> kind of in my in my head just be like the lack of self-awareness with this dude is like my our kids can't be friends how about you maxime where, where, or would you be too late and then just not even hear the conversation <laughs> yeah that's exactly right I, this is something i think about a lot because this, this stuff does sort of grind my gears and i get you know you get into these environments sometimes and i don't actually have that ability to exit right because what i'm stressing about then is when i pull my phone out and the person sees that the phone didn't actually, the screen didn't light 100%. up, right? Oh, oh yeah. 100%. And I'm like, oh, I got to take this, right? Yeah. And then now I'm stressing that they're judging me, even though I was the one that was judging them trying to get out of the conversation. I'm now worried about their perception of me. 
Oh, oh, I can see the, like, I pull off the Shasky phone to the head. Sorry, I got to take this. And then as I'm taking that phone call, my phone actually oh. does ring. You well, know? See, and it's just where, like, uh. That's where you guys have to pivot. The whole key is pivoting <laughs> and turning the body get out of there. as yeah. the phone is coming out of the pocket. I mean, this, I always say, pivot, don't panic. It's a basketball term. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it works perfectly in this situation. I like it. Or you could get there on time like me and you don't have to worry about sitting next to him. Yeah. I mean, again, I've met you. Exactly. I've had social situations, and you're not there on time. So I refuse to accept that answer. I panicked. I completely panicked. I stayed silent for a while. I think I forced out a laugh, even though like it <laughs> wasn't a funny like comment at all. And then ultimately ran over to my wife and pretended like she said something to me. So I panicked, then pivoted. So I almost, almost followed your advice. You know, <laughs> can, can we I, agree? Boston people are the worst. Oh, they're the worst. I mean, oh, they're the worst. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. All of the Northeast is the worst because yeah. I just don't get it. No, but Boston's definitely. the worst, right? Well, and, like, and I think, and I don't say this lightly, and this will be a conversational topic for a different podcast, but I think Boston sports fan might be worse sports fan. Oh. You know I mean? Like, like USC fan is there. Dodger fan is there. I mean, like there's people in my life who I, I, you know, gets out genuine anger if I'm in their company, but almost across the board, regardless of the team, Boston sports fan is the worst. Joe, you're fucking awesome. I know I'm not the only one thinking that. For people who need more Shasky in their life, where do they go? Uh, you check me out on Insta, Twitter, ButcherBoy415, but more importantly, go to 95.7 The Game. Listen to us, it, me and Bonte Hill, every morning, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10, the morning roast. It feels surreal just saying that out loud. Sorry, I, I wasn't prepared. Yeah, well, uh, for us, you know where to find us. Our only social media presence is on Twitter at uh, Warriors Huddle. If you want to shoot us a take, we did well, we did poorly, whatever it is, you can shoot us an email, warriorshuddle at gmail.com. But maybe most important, I tease this up front, we've got big changes coming, boys. Every now and again, someone will shoot us an email asking to shoot them a picture or what the hell do we look like. I have no idea why, but... We are going to take advantage of that. Starting in a few weeks for our Patreon supporters who we love and genuinely respect and appreciate. We're going to start doing a video podcast. So if you have any interest in seeing that, hey, you can just make fun of how we look. It doesn't matter. But if you would like to be a part of it, join us on Patreon, uh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, look up Warrior Subtle. You can support us for as little as like a dollar a month, um, and you can hit on that video with that in mind. Go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good.